Welcome, you're listening to Geekologist Radio 2.0, a division of the Ninja Pancake family of podcasts. Damien, and welcome to Geekologist Radio 2.0. Oh, yeah. I love my writer. This week, we bring you Deadpool, Pikachu Detective Agency, and what Christmas gifts are best for your everyday geek. And I, you know, I think there was something else, guys. Uh, The person, so we're going to have three of us on tonight. Pat, we're pointing the direction at you. Pat, if you don't know who that is, uh, who that guy is, that would be Silver's wonderful husband. And he's got a paper due tonight, so he's still in the laptop. So instead, Silver's not on, but we have Nick and PDX, who just, thanks to our man, uh, Games with Chin, a.k.a. Keith, has finally, you know, escaped his own personal Iron Maiden, also known as Power Armor. Nick, what's going on? Hey, what's up, buddy? Yeah, I found the Power Armor today in Fallout 76, and for and I got back to my house and I had to do some crafting. And for some reason, for the life of me, I could not get that thing off me. I was I was trying everything. And so I finally was like, hey, how do I get this armor off of me? And so hold A on Xbox. <laughs> yep. Uh, I don't know why I couldn't <laughs> figure it out. Because I'm not, you have to be level 25 to build Iron Man, uh, Iron, <laughs> a power armor station. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You have to be level 25 to find the, get the mission to get the blueprints, which I don't have yet, which is frustrating. But you know, and by the way, I have found three or four power armor suits in Fallout 76, and this is the first one I actually decided to put on because I had so much weight. Otherwise, I'm not really the high enough to actually add all the pieces, and I really haven't been using them that much. They still do give you a boost to like your strength and everything, sure. so you can actually move around. Or if you're using melee, they will help you take things down. Like um, that is true. Yeah, yeah. very good. The the, the guys, like a, like an MF. The power punch <laughs> is like a Hulk punch. You oh, hit yeah. the ghoul in the face. Oh, see, now I just did it. Now I did the oh yeah, but I did it. I did it in a better. <laughs> yeah, tone. it's supposed to be like oh yeah. Well, I can see uh, now. Oh, I did yeah, it. okay, yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. So we're gonna get into uh, just our little little spiel beforehand. Uh, you you can find us on ninjapancake.com. You can contact us at geekology the. <laughs> you can contact us. <laughs> you can contact us at geekologistradio at gmail dot com. Uh, website. We will get. We're working on the website. Uh, so ninjapancake.com. <laughs> And uh, a Gmail. Locate us on Twitter. Also, guys, we just announced that we have partnered with my good friend at Games with Chin. What does that mean for you guys? It means that our communities, the Chin community, that is his that is his group, will be joining into our Discord. Our communities are already intermingled enough where, or to the point where, I mean, basically, if you see me streaming, typically, Chin's, uh, either I'm in a multi-stream with Chin or Chin's in, you know, or he's on an off day and he's streaming right along with me. Um, so that, we just got to discussing things. You know, 
we, we talk a lot about access for gamers and things like that and wanting to be able to help others out. And he has a little bit of a, he, he has running the discord and running that type of stuff could be a little bit more difficult for him. And so we're going to work on getting moderators and stuff from his community to also help us out with uh, the geekologist side of things. And so we're going to also, uh, he's going to be helping me develop a once a month, as of right now, it'll be a once a month show that will be horror based. And we're going to be kind of figuring out what we do if we pick, okay, one month we're going to do Jason, you know, the the slasher series or things like that. And it'll, this will include games, movies, you know, comics, all that kind of all that kind of fun stuff. Just horror base as it is. Uh, there's also high chance that we're going to get um, that there's going to be other stuff that's going to be going on. Like we're with his community joining us. We're going to have in our Discord a D&D and tabletop section, which is something that's been kind of on the, it's been kind of coming that way for a while. Also with our, uh, with our teaming up with Silver, Soul Gaming, she has a lot of people from her community that have joined up with us in our community, and they're big into tabletop games. Not to mention, you know, our geek that's been a little bit on hiatus for a while now, Elderberry, aka Jeff, he is big into tabletop games, so possible tabletop show coming around we're not sure how often that would be a thing probably maybe a once a month show or even if you guys want it maybe a once a month recorded in a podcast format or episodic format of a D game all in character that would be really cool to have a board game section i love a lot of different board games and silver who is missing today because of her uh, better half. Uh, <laughs> uh, she bought the Fallout uh, board game when she bought Fallout 76, and I really want to play that game. It's a cool little RPG uh, board game turnstile. Um, I'm not sure um, the component of the dice on that one. Do you know? I'm, I'm not sure on it, but I was looking it up, and there's every time I looked it up, what kept coming up for me was Fallout Monopoly. Ugh. <laughs> There's enough Monopoly. I mean, I would buy Fallout Monopoly. I love Monopoly, but uh, it, the the Fallout game that she has looks amazing. So for yeah. for Geekologist Radio listeners and people that have been joining the Discord and joining the podcast and listening, one we really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. In the Discord, there is an edit feature. Not sorry, not an edit feature. A feedback feature. And I would love people to give us feedback each week on the show. And a lot of people have been doing it, like ITT Tom and and mm-hmm. Rez and, or Jamie. Um, there's other people too that have joined the podcast that I'm or Flash, yeah, Flash and that the Discord that I uh, I'm forgetting their name right now. Um, but I appreciate everybody joining the Discord, having discussion. The Discord is actually pretty lively this week, which is really great, amazing. There was a thread when I woke up. And it was all the horror thread. There was a horror thread going on, <laughs> which I didn't even try to recoup and, and see what was going on to try to catch up. I was like, wow, that's amazing. I was just really happy it was happening. And uh, it, it's really amazing when people are on there just discussing stuff outside the show, which brings up the fact of Jeremy saying or Damien saying, hey, we need to do a horror show because Silver's a big horror fan. Chim's, Chin is a big horror fan. My wife is a big horror fan. Um, I am not, so I will just I I easily bow out of those shows. Um, I'm not I'm not a big horror fan, or have I ever been in in my life? I I've, I've watched some Freddy movies. I just don't care about them too much. But with that, with that means that this also because this this is the thing we want to make sure that that what we do includes the family. Correct. And this will also be something that will 
it's gonna pull it's gonna, it's gonna pull, pull my sister in yes aka your missus and it's going to make her have a little more of an understanding of what it is that goes into what we do and our passion for this stuff and for the community and things like that and that's the greatness of this is that it doesn't have to, when you do podcasts guys it doesn't have to to be all or nothing like for nick and i this is a passion project yes we wanted to open up things for us but you know what it has what it's really done for us we're learning how to do things we're learning you know my linkedin is actually starting to get i have i made for just shits and giggles i made a damian nash linkedin and i'm actually i actually had an invitation to apply for a radio radio position over in like the central states uh god i want to say it was like ohio or something like that and i had to explain to him I sound like this because of great editing. <laughs> I, this isn't live. This is not live. I still would have some issues with live. Uh, I, Me too, like, you man. Know, uh, oh, so, yeah. yeah. We, but, we do edit some stuff out because I, for one, and I've done with you now over a year of podcasting. And for one yeah. thing that I constantly screw up on and I listen to it when I edit is I talk way too fast. It's like I'm trying to get all this information out so quickly and I, I fumble over my words or I mispronounce words, but I don't even go back and fix what I mispronounced. I just keep plowing ahead and it's terrible. It's something that I'm really trying to work on is just like slowing my pace down some. But on the fact of, on the point of uh, Games of Chin, joining Geekologist Radio as a new cast member is amazing. Brings his community in. Silver has Silver Soul Gaming bringing her community in. Jeremy does Damien. I keep calling you Jeremy. Damien does a lot of things on the streaming side of stuff. Um, plus, he's up in Seattle. It helps out with what's up there, bringing people into this community. I do stuff on the side with other communities, and we're bringing everything together. That's why I sp- spoke about last week of follow your 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 follow your uh, lower streamer. Follow somebody that's you know smaller streamer. Follow them. They follow you. That's how you build each other up, and that's something that Games of Chim has been doing, and Damien's been helping him out with. And we're just going to continue that uh, snowball going downhill, man. Yeah, I mean, he's, his community on Mixer is, bar none, one of the best communities I've had. I've, I mean, I, I love, I have certain streamers I follow on Twitch, even though I don't get a chance to watch them as much as I would like. You know, Captain Jack Sparrow, anytime I'm able to jump into it instantly, I feel like family. And his group has just, his growth has been amazing. He's a great partner streamer for Twitch. I myself, I, I love I love the mixer community. I'm learning it and everything everything in there. And the thing is, is that I I met Chin through a game by Microsoft. This is the crazy. It, it's so cool because it was, it, I mean, and I'm not a I'm as much as I sound like a Microsoft fanboy. I'm not a fanboy of just one console. I'm a fanboy of gaming in general, accessibility to gaming, gaming for everyone. I'm a fanboy of games and the experiences that they create for people. I have a preference of a control style, which is why I often go to Xbox. However, I will say that my favorite controller actually is the uh, Switch Pro Controller. That is my favorite controller I've ever held in my hand. It's a very nice controller. I like it, yeah. But go talking about this, about this stuff and talking about community and everything, guys. The content that's going to be coming your way, it's going to be a continual growth, and we're eventually going to be coming at you. We've been talking in our moderator channel and stuff like that, doing a a state of the geekologist radio thing because we haven't. What what's finally happening is we're coming up with and finally taking steps into what the 2.0 really was supposed to be. 2.0 was supposed to expand on geekologist radio and make it 
make it like it's its own radio station where you have different styles of shows that come on during different times. Some radio stations they'll have like you know they'll have the rock hour and then they'll have the eighties you know throwback all that stuff. Well, we're going to start giving you that kind of content. I'm not saying we're going back to the eighties or anything like that. We have brethren, you know, we will do some episodes like that, but we have brethren in the in the in the podcasting community, specifically Ninja Pancake, that do more of that kind of stuff and i'm talking about geek squatch guys if you want to go out and listen to stuff they just did an excellent episode on uh on interview with a vampire and oh it's really good and i love the fact that they did this because it's it's an interesting the whole Anne rice thing with vampire vampire movies and stuff was a very interesting thing where it that, that one did was an oscar nominated one you know great accolades and then years later, they come out with Queen of the Damned. Didn't do so well, but it became a cult classic in its own right. I like it. But I like it's one of yeah. I, it's one of my favorite vampire movies. What's cool is that they all this stuff is something you can go over and listen to on that. Learn about just in time for the fact that they are redoing the entire series. They're going to do the uh, they're going to do a series of Anne Rice novel books that are going to be or movies that are going to be close as they can to the novels and i'm excited as all hell for it awesome so on the promotion side of things real quick i just wanted to thank everybody that joined the discord i know i mentioned it before but the second thing i want to think i want to say that sometimes we forget to say damien is that please like us and rate us on itunes we do check the itunes ratings we do check the comments leave some more comments up there it'd be nice um, just to get some feedback even that way. So if you're not in the discord, you don't have, don't, don't want to join the discord, just leave a comment in the, in the iTunes or even, you know, geek all just radio on, on Twitter, minus a T for character restriction. Uh, leave us a comment that way too. Uh, we appreciate it. We'll mention you on that. So we're going to jump away out of this going into top stories of the week. And we felt that top stories of the week, there's only one that we really, that stood out enough to be considered a top story. And it's one that is we we say with a heavy heart the rest of the episode we promise guys is going to be try to be as upbeat as we can but this is something that the man lived an amazing life and created created art and we're talking about stanley uh stanley has passed away at the age of ni- or of 95 from born from 1922 to 2018 it's a long glorious life this man lived not only that, but how cool was the guy? I mean, have you That's seen the thing. have you seen photos from him from the seventies? Oh yeah, the seventies, man. He, he had like, his he sh- big... shirt open, chest hair coming out. He has that the... guy could give Burt Reynolds a run for his money. He was a good looking man. I mean, he had sunglasses on. You're right. He never didn't have sunglasses on. That's the thing. Yeah, that was his, always that was his look, you know. And yeah. probably later in the days they're you know, later in his year they're prescription sunglasses or something. But he looked way cool in the seventies. I mean, that man had style. And he had style and he was giving the style to some of his comic books at the same time. But you could see where he got it from. He got it from himself. He was a stylish guy, which I really didn't realize until he passed away. Unfortunately, I went back and started reading about him, and that's when I discovered this stuff. And I was like, man, he was a cool dude. He would do some some, some crazy stuff just with his beard. Like, he would have – he always had the stash. The stash was yes. his go-to. But then he had ones where he did the sideburn, and then he would do a, a thin – like a thinly shaved beard everywhere else. It just, he just had this just swagger about him. Yeah. It was, it was like Stan Lee's in the house. Everybody best be watching their lady because <laughs> if he didn't have, if he did not have, have his lady, 
You knew your lady was going to be right with them. <laughs> he, he was such a cool guy. And I'm just going to real quick, Damien, talk about Go ahead. my, my I'm, I'm a 90s kid. And oh, yeah. I love the 90s. I Everything about the 90s now, and probably everybody from their generation loves their generation. And I love the 90s so much. But I used to take uh, TriMet buses, what the public buses up here in Portland, Oregon. And I used to take the bus to my local comic book store not too far away from my house in middle school when my mom finally allowed me to take the bus. And I would go into the comic book shop with five, six bucks, and I would buy comic books. Now, there's you know, there's so many different comic books that Stan Lee had his finger in or started, you know, Spider-Man, X-Men, Iron Man, Fantastic Four, Black Panther, all this stuff. But X-Men really touched on me because the 90s cartoon we've talked about this before how much i love that cartoon is my favorite cartoon of all time the political side of things the religious side of things x-men as an adult when i look back it touched on so many different things that you really don't realize as a kid so i would go and go to the comic book store and continuously buy the new x-men books as they came out and at the time it was uncanny x-men which just mm-hmm. now really released right before stanley died Uncanny X-Men re-released in 2018. It's been gone for a couple of years. I have the book. It's fantastic. I will review that book. Um, but I used to go to the comic book store and get the X-Men books because they meant so much to me. Uh, I wasn't a popular kid in school. I did play sports a lot, but I didn't really hang out with the cool kids. Um, I was poor. I didn't have a lot of money. We lived into, in a poor community in, in uh, North Portland. It's kind of the poorer side of, of, of Portland. And X-Men characters really resided with me. And one of them was Gambit because Gambit was kind of a castaway character too. And I know a lot of the X-Men and mutants themselves are castaway characters. Whatever reason, I just resonated really well with Gambit. And for, for whatever reason, because he had a bow staff and Donald Tell is my favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, probably I went with the bow staff character. I'm like, give me the guy with the bow staff and it expanded and it, you know, and he had the power charge and he could throw the cards. He was just a cool, slick dude. Gambit was such a cool guy with the women, the way he talked to him and how he interacted with other characters. It really reminded me of the photos that I see of Stan Lee from the seventies. And I don't know if that character pop collar and everything. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if that character personally is is created by Stanley. I don't know if he had any any fingers in it, but it seemed like some of the swagger that Gambit had came from Stanley's swagger from the seventies. And I'm really just basing that off the photos that I saw of Stanley from the nineteen seventies. I was blown away about how cool this guy was. So as a young kid, you know, in middle school in Portland, Oregon, it's sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. So we're talking about, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13. I would I would go to the comic book store and I would sit there and I'd read the comic books. My local comic book store guy was really cool. I can't remember his name. I had a good relationship with them. And he would let me read the comic books and I would buy a couple, but I couldn't afford all of them. So he would let me go through. So I always kept up on the Uncanny X-Men. And it always, and not only that, I used to take them to school to read them too. And so I always felt comfortable with those books with me. They were always in my backpack. So I have to say, thanks, Stan Lee, for, you know, the Uncanny X-Men, the X-Men for myself. Yeah. Uh, one of the things on that is Gambit was, he appeared in Uncanny X-Men Annual number 14, July 1990, and he was created by Chris Claremont and artist Jim Lee. Oh, Jim Lee. Okay. Artist Jim Lee created him. I wonder if Jim Lee based that look off of because he had the slick back hair. He yeah, had, you know, 
it was just one of my favorite characters. Uh, you know, every, oh, yeah, everybody no, has their favorite is. character for X Men. You know? Yeah, you and I have talked so many times about Gambit. Yeah, and how he's one of our favorite. Uh, it's it's you know we like we like what we like we like the the off the offshoot characters. I mean we we have our main characters we like like it's like I love Wolverine. Of course, was, love him. In the nineties, in the nineties though, you know who my favorite character was Cyclops. Yeah, I liked him in the, in the cartoon a lot. Yep. Yeah, that was I love that character. You know, it was Cyclops and Wolverine. I loved I loved it, and it just I don't know they as much as they they fought and they had you know they they argued with each other. They reminded me of brothers, kind of in a way. Absolutely. You knew they had their back. Yeah, they had each other's back during that, and but he was more of a leader, and he was mm-hmm. a stronghold, and you knew you could rely on him to keep everything together if Professor Xavier wasn't around. So I understand you liking him a lot, yeah. And that was the thing is is that following the comics and everything, I think one of the reasons why I liked Cyclops and why I would draw was drawn to him as a leader and a, and as a character, and was because you know i wasn't i wasn't popular in school either and and so having these abilities to have just and this is comics in general but this really was mostly around spider-man and things like that these characters uh spider-man i really connected with because spider-man he was this dork he was this kind of nerdy kid and then he became a superhero and i i really connected with that because honestly i got bullied a lot and no, no one knew I was going to become a big guy. I was going to say, a bouncer. what are you, 6'4"? No, no one knew, yeah, 6'2", uh, <laughs> but no, nobody knew I was going to become a big guy that eventually would do take a job where I could, you know, I mean, for since I was 22, I've basically been bouncing and things like that, doing things where I can look out for other people. Uh, but that came from the factor of being a guy who was made fun of in school and was put down, and these these characters that were that Stanley created that he humanized, he humanized them because he gave them flaws. It's something that you talked yes. about. That he gave superheroes flaws because Superman didn't have a flaw. That was the one thing, a problem about him is that he was pristine and yeah, it was supposed to be a thing. He was supposed to be the hero's hero, but then Stanley gives us Captain America, someone who was flawed, someone who had, who was human, but was the hero's hero. Captain America was created before he joined. He did not. Oh. He did not create Captain America. Yeah, he, when yeah. he joined his uncle's, uh, when he joined his uncle's comic book uh, company, uh, Timely Comics, they had Captain America already. Um, the silver shield and the ability to throw it had something to do with Stanley. The the circular oh, okay. shield before it was a. Uh, I don't know how you describe it. It was almost like a. It was a regular. It was the regular shield when he turned it. When he he was the one that changed it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's why. Yeah. yeah. It's it's well, it's just it's highly uh it's highly uh discussed about what he had on there and did not. Yeah. yeah. So, just the thing that the fact that he created you know he worked so hard well with the, creating this, these characters that just, I mean they they helped change my life. And they made me feel, I knew that they're, you know, you know, they're fictitious, but you would go to, when I started getting old enough to walk, you know, uh, I would go visit my friend's house because I lived out, I lived out in the sticks, yeah. but we'd go out and we'd visit my friend's house and then uh, my, my, you know, kind of treading grounds were right around actually where you live today. And we would go there and there was a comic book shop right over in the area uh, where there used to be a Safeway and now it's a a Ross. But there used to be a comic book shop in there. We would go in there and we would buy comics. And my friends all collected comics. And so they introduced me. I would stay the night over at their house and they had boxes and boxes of comics. 
and these ranged. Uh, they had they had their their X Men, and I remember one of my favorite one of my favorite series in the X Men actually was Age of Apocalypse. I really loved it. I loved how it turned everything on its head. But he had my my buddy Catlin. He had all these different comics and everything, and it was so cool to interact with other people. And they gave the the works that like Stanley created gave me an ability. Someone who had a problem making friends and things like that. And even to this day, I still have a hard time making friends. He gave me something that I could talk about on an equal level with people. And allowed me to connect with people. And that was something that was something just that was amazing. And and like I said, uh, going back to why I looked at not looked to Cyclops, like I looked up to his fictional character. I looked up to him because he was a leader and because he was able to do these things. But I'll tell you what, ultimately Spider-Man was Spider-Man was one of the characters I connected. It was like I connected with Spider-Man and I connected with with Wolverine. But I connected with Wolverine because he was an he was he was an outcast by his own. And as I got older I noticed that I, I did the same thing. I would kinda Lone Ranger. Kind of had a, yeah, Lone Ranger kind of had a chip on my shoulder. Yeah. But I wanted, I, I still, and it's the same way I am with gaming. It's like, I only like to play multiplayer games, but oftentimes I'll play by myself. I like to have the option, and I wish people would play with me, but I, I don't go out and look for it. And so it's like, I'm this Lone Ranger type that with that will, I work well when, when I'm in a team, but oftentimes I'm just, I'm, a, I'm the story alongside your story. Yeah. yeah. And it just was, this Stanley was so, so amazing that one of his last things he did that's out there, and I posted on my Twitter, was he talks about his fan, his love for fans, and how cool it is to have fans that you, someone, someone you don't, you might not know, but you can connect with every now and then, and you both have shared this, this emotional care for each other. Yep. And it just was so sincere about it, because he really, this is someone... In a day and age where you have stars, you have athletes, they have fans, and they know that's how they get their money, but they don't care about you. And that might be that might be be rough and hard to hear, but there are a lot out there that they just do it for a paycheck. There, they don't. There's a lot of sports figures that are like that. There's good ones, like you're saying. It could be yeah. rough to hear, but you're right. There is a lot of people that are like that. And I think at the end of that video. He said that uh, Damien posted on his Twitter page. Go look at his Twitter page if you want to see the video we're referencing here. Um, he also said that in the business of having fans, he said, I think it's really awesome. And now it's kind of how the video trailed off. And I was like, man, touches you, touches you pretty hard there, you know? Yeah. And this is one of his last things that he said. Uh, this was actually when he was sitting down having a meeting with his protege, who he had passed Marvel on to back in 1972, talking about Roy Thomas. And it's just uh, Roy Thomas also took over. He's the lead writer for Spider-Man. So, you know, hey, just got to just got to toss that out there. And on the point of Spider-Man, and I know we're kind of going back and forth here, but on the point of Spider-Man, I think he was one of the best characters with flaws. He was the most tormented character uh, over the Uncle Ben thing, his parents and not really knowing what happened to his parents in the story and him trying to balance the life of being a superhero and take care of his aunt. And it, I think it's one of the best uh, complex characters he's ever created or ever created. And one of the best storylines with that, that, sh- that, that basically put that torment right up in front was a storyline when Crimson Spider became out, which Crimson Spider actually was 
and is Peter Parker. Uh, but there was a clone made of him and no one, neither one of them knew who was the clone. Turns out Crimson Spider was the actual original Peter Parker. Oh, okay. Right. And so during that, there was a lot of reflection on the torment stuff and it's a really good, uh, series to be able to check out. He kind of looks like, I mean, he's just, he looks like his red, like his iron spider outfit was red yeah. and that gold. Yeah. However, it was red and white. He had white eyes, red, just spider outfit without all the other stuff on it and then a torn like up like biker blue jean vest i think that skin is on my spider-man game for a playstation it's that's the punk that is the punk one that's the punk one okay punk one yeah but it's very similar to the crimson spider on 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 the point of all the comics that he had created with marvel Let's just throw out there that Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko were part of the co-creators of Marvel with Stanley. I don't want people <laughs> e- oh, yeah, emailing true, us true. saying that we, we that's not mentioning their names. But this is about Stanley, and uh, just to sum it up for me, Damien, I just want to thank Stanley for X Men. Um, also for the rest of the comic books that he's created, Spider Man was another big one for me, and Fantastic, Fantastic Four, correct? Fantastic Four is a huge one for me. Um, I'm actually read they rebooted Fantastic Four this year in 2018. I'm glad he got to see it before he passed away because the first two issues are incredible. Um, they're amazing. I continue to read comics at 36 years old, and a lot of it has to do with Marvel. Um, also, you know, DC stuff, but this is about Stan Lee. So I just, to close it, I just want to thank Stan Lee for the Uncanny X-Men. Very cool. Now we're going to get into some other stuff. Guys, this week, of course, we are going to be doing, giving you a little bit of some uh, heads up for your geek and Christmas, but we're going to get into some game chat. And right now we're going to touch basis on a few things in Fallout 76 as a lot of what we've been playing right now is, in fact, Fallout 76. Uh, we are obviously, obviously, guys, we are still playing Red Dead Redemption. Not, yeah, and so good. But you know, I being my my nature of myself, being an online gamer and wanting to play with friends, Fallout 76 is definitely scratching that itch, and it's going to be in my rotation. The stuff that I've been doing to Sea of Thieves, I can't talk about right now because I've been playing Sea of Thieves. On the Pioneer server. Awesome. Good for you. Yeah, testing out, you know, making sure that these uh, patches get out right, you know, giving the feedback, all that stuff. Well, can't wait till we can talk about it. Yep. But Fallout 76, first thing that you're going to talk about is cheating. Yeah, this has came out that players have already utilized cheating codes with the new codes. And basically what they're doing is they're using a program, um, NucoCrypt is one of the most popular ones. There is a two or three different ones. And they're basically, NucleCrypt only needs one or two keys uh, to, descri- to decrypt the nuclear code. And then people can go ahead and use the nuclear weapons. Now, I just want to touch on that one real quick because we put that in our Discord. I popped that up there as soon as I found out about it. We discussed it real quick. And most people res um, Games of Chin, uh, Silver. Everybody's like, man, cheating already? Because this game for us so far, it's people are people are disliking the game. Is what I'm tr- what I want to say is people are disliking the game. But the game for us is so great, and you, I'm so immersed in this world already that the last thing I really want to do is cheat on a nuclear code and blow up somebody else's base, you know. Yeah. Or and I, my base is already I'm building something really nice right now. If you blew it up, I'd be really pissed. <laughs> Especially if you blew it up off of cheat codes. Um, yeah. I have partial nuclear codes already. I mean, I have two partials, and I can't yet dis- 
decrypt you know the codes yet i i have to wait and so i'm waiting patiently here and i'm i'm doing it the correct way and, and what the game is built for well i watched i happened to watch on talking about nuclear codes i watched the world's first and it just so happened to be that they were streaming the world's first end game content and there's fissures throughout the map Yes. These guys decide, well, I wonder what happens. They weren't looking to blow up someone's base. They're like, what happens if we aim the nuke at this fissure? And they sh- launched it. They created a nuclear event. What it did is they awoke the Scorched Beast Queen. Ooh. And she is huge. And she's level 93. At least this one was. Mind you, your level that you can get to is level 50. Well, if you have four people at 50, though, you might have a chance. Well, that's the whole thing is if you think about it, because like I can be level, I've been level 14 and taken on some this level 22. If you, Me too, yeah. If you buff yourself correctly. If you buff yourself and also have the right gear and use your environment correctly. I was shooting something from a house and a balcony and popping back and forth. You know, you could do that. Yeah. Just use your vets. Yeah. And so that's, the, yeah, there's a lot of stuff with, with that going out there. But I watched the video and it wasn't like, this is something where it wasn't like I watched the video and all of a sudden I felt, oh, it's ruined for me. Instead, I watched it and I'm like, hey, this reminds me of Destiny Raid videos. This is like teaching me how to do it. Okay, I'm watching this. I got it. And it's exciting. Like, I'm I'm sitting here. I'm rank 18, almost 19, and I'm enjoying the hell out of the game. And even at your top rank, the game is open world design. Things that you can unlock and things that they're going to constantly put in the world for you to unlock. Is really cool. The only thing, only gripe I have is I wish there was more clothing that goes under the armor gear. Because when you wear clothing, a lot of it just makes your armor disappear. That is also because of clipping issues that they had. So I get it. I understand. But you do have, right now, like Games with Chin, he had, I traded him for, he wanted to be a creepy priest. I had a creepy priest uh, or pastor uh, remnants. And so... He wanted that, so I traded him for his military undergarb. And so I run around with that. I look pretty badass, though, I'll tell you that much. Uh, but all the different things you can find, the different hats, the different things you can wear, you can really create your own character and create his own personality. Sure. Yep. AKA Creepy Priest. Um, but <laughs> I had the Boy Scout outfit on for a while, the short shorts. Well, that's not the Boy Scout <laughs> outfit. That's the, uh, that's the uh, Ranger outfit. Ranger outfit. Yep. I, I have that one too. Yeah, I just found. Uh, actually, did you go where the Civil War reenactment's at? Have you been up there yet? I have not been. You can find both Civil War outfits. You can find one for, but if you wear the wrong one, then the robots from that side will start shooting at you because you're wearing that outfit. So you can't really wear it up there. When, when you get to that point, we'll discuss it. But it that is that is great. Yeah, it's awesome. See, I have the ability to make. I have the ability to make. Civil way, uh, a one of the Civil War outfits. Yeah, you can get them for free up there. They're right in the house. Oh, that's really cool. It's I like, like that. an, that's... it's like an, it's a Civil War reenactment. It looks like you know any of your fort whatevers, um, and then also has like a museum for Civil War stuff in there that you can push a button and opens up the glass cases and you can loot all this all Civil War memorabilia. So I have like a black, I have like two black powder guns. The black powder guns are some of the strongest. Some of the, games, of the strongest games, yeah. The, I I actually I uh, broke down one of them just because I wanted the blueprints for it, but the other two I kept. <laughs> I was like, no, nah, because they're level ten, and that's pretty good for me right now. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, the game right now for us is 
a lot of fun. There's a lot going on. This is one. Of, this is the main game right now that uh, I've been streaming alongside Games with Chin, uh, Folded Broom, and uh, and, and a few few others uh, from from the community. And we've just I, we've been having a blast. Like we Deadly Adder, Deadly Adder, uh, one of our listeners, a good friend of mine, a member of our Uprising Gaming Clan, and a part of our community, and now uh, becoming part of Jin's community, is uh, uh, he he went with us and we broken we had two three you know with two full groups and a third group forming on a server we ran the server and i mean we broke into a uh singing of baby shark <laughs> oh my god i'm so sick of that song i had no so, yeah. i had no clue about the song and i let my son do something and he discovered the song and now it's everywhere man it is absolutely everywhere Ugh. Did you really? Yeah. Did you see that? To the beat of the song is the proper beat to give CPR to, and they even put out that video. I'm I'm serious. Yeah, it's the proper beat to. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to do CPR, but it's a proper beat to push on somebody's chest at the same time. Yeah, and so well, I, I do CPR. So that's the, well, yeah. the ho- some hospital put that video out. So it had the people behind them singing Shark Tooth with two TVs. And yeah, Damien's mimicking yeah, right now. Actually, it is. Oh my god! <laughs> no. So if you want to give is. CPR, you put that song on real quick, and you revive somebody. <laughs> oh man, that, that's bad. That's bad. <laughs> but it is actually. I'm sitting there doing the counts in my head. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that is that is right. <laughs> uh, other games that I've been playing this week. I've uh, been jumping back into uh, jump back into Wildlands. Ghost Recon Wildlands, and it's been fun. They have right now an event going on where they have. All the major like side story events they got. So the Predators active, uh, uh, other things that have been going on. Like they have the the Day of the Dead thing uh, event going on in it. They also have uh, Sam Fisher is active in the game right now. It's all at once, which is kind of crazy. I forgot uh, about Sam Fisher being in it. Yeah, I- well, it's because what happened is they uh, after they created the division, they said that they wanted all their games coming out after that. Where it was going to be. The way Ubisoft looks at things is before the division and after the division, because they created a new new software to be able to engine to be able to work on all their new games. Uh, what they've done is they've gone and connected all their games are connected to each other. All their all their yep. their factions. They're even Assassin's Creed is connected within the same. They're all it's their multiverse basically. I I like that they came up with that. I mean, it's cool. It's cool to think about everything in the same universe at some yeah. point in time, especially Assassin's Creed. They're like, oh, that happened way back then. Um. Just on, on Ghost Recon, for people that like slower pace multiplayer battles, it is fantastic. It's one of the best yeah. third-person multiplayer. I think it's six-on-six six or eight-on-eight. Eight. Well, that's if you do match. war mode. Yeah, yeah. if you do the war mode. Yeah. The war mode, and the war mode is calm and calculated. And he's and very it, slow. Still, and still very busy. Yeah, you have it's to be great. very calculated. So for people that like that slower approach, kind of like a PUBG approach, that is such a great uh, multiplayer game to get into. Yeah. Also jumped into some PUBG. I uh, was gifted with a punk jacket for... This is what they gifted you. They said, for being disconnected... It's the, it's the desync jacket. <laughs> yeah. It's for all the desync they have. How many videos do you watch online of people shooting somebody on PUBG and all of a sudden they pop behind the building and you're like, wait a minute. And then they're dead. And you're like, oh my God. The desync is can be terrible man terrible yeah and so got the punk jacket and my twenty thousand credits that i used all on the biker outfit to well i used four thousand points to get different colored guns i got a couple 
I'm only trying to use... be Rick Grimes. That's it. I have 40,000 BP points. And all I want to do is get the cowboy hat. I have the sheriff outfit. I have the pants with the holster. I have the boots. I just need a cowboy hat and I'm Rick Grimes. That's all. That's, awesome. that's all I want to be. <laughs> now I did. I did like the fact that I was looking on there and they, they offered out the Halloween, the creepy Halloween outfit, yeah. and stuff like that. But I, I'm telling you, man, it's been a bit since I've been in. I hopped in. I was playing a couple of games. It's unsettling. It is unsettling. I'm telling you, it's unsettling being killed by a creepy clown. I don't care what it is. I hate creepy clowns. I love it, the movie, but I hate creepy, hate, hate, hate creepy clowns. And the best one is the Joker outfit in the skirt. Somebody put the Joker face on. Someone put the Joker. Put- yeah, and then they put they put the they put the Joker face on, and then they are they were a female character. They put the Joker face on, and they put a skirt on them. I think I can't remember the skirt is. It might have been the. Uh, Harley Quinn skirt and outfit, and they just mixed the two together. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. But anyways, it was very creepy. And the clowns are creepy. Plus, you could put like a pumpkin head on. Right now, I have a leather a leather face mask, and it has stitches oh, you, across you have, that. You 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 got that? Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, that's creepy as hell too. Yeah, yeah. I wear that with I, my my Rick Grimes outfit just to be a little creepy. Ew. <laughs> uh, yeah. See, I. I'm all about the creep factor, though. I like it. But at the same time, I don't know. Something about being in, in PUBG. I was like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. But then it reminds me. Like, PUBG, you're dropped in. You have to kill things. I'm like, oh, okay. I see what you did, PUBG. You just created the purge. The game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially with custom games, you can do, like, up to eight teams, eight-player teams. So you could have eight oh, people God. just running around a city with guns. And it's you don't really hide. You just you push, you push, you push. And you go because you're you're... If you get knocked, one of your teammates can can res you, you know, and it, it's a, it's chaotic, but it's fun. It's definitely a purge purge type. Okay, how have you been? And so honestly, let's just take his moment on there. They did that event. You, you we, we we talked loosely on that about the PUBG tournament with with uh, uh, that you guys were setting up over with yeah uh, we hot drop yeah we did do that. We did custom games. Um, we had up to 24 people in a party at once. Um, and then we'd have to split off and actually it got too much. So what we did was we started a Discord party. And then we started different parties on the Xbox because we split up in different teams. And okay. uh, me and Predator, um, somebody over uh, in Britain, me and him won the first custom games as duos. And then we died real quick in the next custom games. So me and him just decided to jump into our own <laughs> our own duo match, uh, straight duo match, and we won that. And then we got back into the custom games, and I won another one with a, a squad of eight or something like that we won where we all played together. So it was kind of fun. We took about, I think we had 24 people at once, and we all were going up against each other with other teams mixed in. We went with 96 players. Um, it was really fun. It was really fun to kill players that you know. And then as soon as the game's over, jump in the Discord. I'm like, yeah, I got you, man. You know, So it, it it's a fun, competitive thing to do. And plus, I killed one guy that I know is a thousand times better than me and was lucky. But, you know, luck happens, man. And I killed him. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Do you gain any experience at all for it? Or is the experience all completely turned off? Oh, I wish I could answer that for you, dude. I'm not 100% oh, sure. I'm not 100% sure. You knew sure. this was going to come your direction, and you failed me. I don't know if custom games give you an experience point. Typically, custom Oh, you games know what? Don't. It does, because I ended today, and I got I got experience points at the end of today's custom game. Yep. That's great. Yeah, because awesome. I had two that kills. really yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Bravo, PUBG, for doing something outside the box. Uh, aside from the, from all that stuff, you guys, uh, to, uh, 
lots of things have been launching in games and stuff like that. I've had to heal myself away from picking up Pokemon as much as I want. I want Pokemon. Hey, you Pikachu. Yep. Eevee and Pikachu but, came out on the Nintendo Switch. I would love to have both those games. You know, now, you know what though? Do you have a problem? I know this is off topic. Do you have a problem with your your Joy Cons on your Nintendo Switch? I don't have a problem with my Joy Con on my Nintendo Switch because I don't use them. Yeah, my left side is broken, so I got to use my controller now because the left side joystick's not working. I'm not sure if if, if I did or when my kids did it. They usually play it more than I do. But now it's my my Switch is lonely. It's just sitting in the the loading dock or the charging dock, and it's it's not being used because I got to buy a new stick for it. Yeah, the, I mean, a lot of people, that's one of the things though, with the Switch, a lot of people buy, bought multiple Joy-Cons, especially because uh, one thing is the Joy-Con seller is Mario Party came out. We didn't talk about that. We all wanted it. We haven't picked it up, uh, picked it up yet. Uh, one of the things, honestly, with Mario Party that actually kept me from picking up, and I get it because of the game design, you need to make sure everybody's got certain features. A lot of that is motion control, is that it is only playable with Joy-Cons. Ah, oh, that's weird. Yeah, um, but it's there's a lot of people. There's a lot of different Joy Cons out there. There, there are there are even uh, Power A makes Joy Cons. Power A, great company. Uh, yeah, they also they have. I mean, we'll talk about other stuff. So you know that I like Power A, but there's uh, first party. Obviously, if you got a chance, go for the first party first. But talking about talking about stuff with games, guys. One other thing I want to touch on is that uh, you know. Yes, Pokemon is doing really well right now. People are really enjoying it. People are getting the nostalgia factor out of this game. It originally kind of had me not as interested because I couldn't go into the wilds to like catch Pokemon or to, or to fight them because it became more like Pokemon Go. But people said there's enough encounters that the game feels feels like a mixture. It's like a hybrid. It feels like you're watching the Saturday morning cartoon cartoon mixed with the old the playing in a in a 3D environment with the game. But what's good also about this is if you have a young one that wants to that you want to get into Pokemon later on in life, you can play two players on the same screen. So they can go around with their Pokemon behind them and even if they are not that good, you can jump in and control you know you can save the day with when you're playing with them as well. Nice. So that that's a big deal so you can make if you have a little one around that you want to play a game with. This is a great purchase. It's interactive. It's a great purchase to be able to do with them so you can hang out with them and play. So that's pretty cool. Next up in game chat, there you know we're usually on top of games when they come out, and we usually talk a lot about them. And we know we've talked about the fact that we like Battlefield, but we haven't talked much about Battlefield Five. And guess what? Launched Battlefield Five is out. I didn't even know it launched. Somebody today when I was playing PUBG was like, "No, it launched today, uh, this week," and I was like, "Wow, I had no clue." Yeah. That's the problem right now is that the game launched and it is the poorest selling Battlefield game they've ever made. There's a lot of reasons for this. When you have a game that you launch or that you, you hype up about having this mode and that's what you lead with at E3. I'm talking about you're leading with a Battle Royale mode. Battle Royale mode has been pushed back too. And you push the Battle Royale mode back. And then you push it back and you don't even have a release date time frame for it. And 
Then you have a game like Black Ops, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, which releases without any form of campaign at all. No campaign. But what they did is they made a really, really, really well done multiplayer experience on all levels, including and especially, actually, Blackout mode, which is their Battle Royale mode. Which which I've I've lost a lot of PUBG players to the Blackout mode that enjoy it a lot more than for for battle royal and i i love it myself too but on on that side i like the multiplayer it's probably one of my favorite multiple i loved world war war uh last year because that style of multiplayer fits my me a lot better this style of multiplayer i'm not as good at but that's just me i need to get better at it i really enjoy it um the zombie mode is uh, it's okay um i'm not enjoying it as much as i did world war but on the, on the case of Battlefield Five and not having the Battle Royale mode, the people that I've talked to that are playing the game this weekend, uh, they were a little disappointed that it wasn't launched with the game. Um, I think a lot of reports had came out, correct me if I'm wrong, that it wasn't going to launch the same day with the game. It wasn't ever because okay. they announced it, they led with it, and then they're like, oh, we're gonna, we'll relaunch it like a month or two after. But then that got pushed back. And honestly, with the release, Fallout might be getting mixed reviews where people either love it or they hate it. And I've watched a streamer who, I mean, who I actually really like, but a lot of the flack that people are giving her is you got streamers that are playing the Fallout 76 that never played a Fallout game before. So they don't, they're like, why am I shooting and I'm not hitting my target? Well, it's a role-playing game and you're evolving shooting and the fact that you're not skilled in that area yet you're not perked in that enough for that and you'd also have using a weapon that's not designed it's like made out of pipes maybe you don't have you know the right proper ballistics with that as you level up you can get rifling you can do all these different things to it all of a sudden oh my god look i'm hitting my targets left and right you know it's just give yourself time learn the game a lot of people are playing it expecting it to play like a shooter yeah, you know, it's the same thing at the division. The division, yeah, you can play like a shooter, but you can't play it like a shooter. They're role playing games, and they're role playing games first. They don't care about your shooting. I mean, as your shooter game, they care about being a shooter RPG, and there's different elements to that. And you just have to accept that. Once you accept that and you start learning it, then you find out, hey, this game's pretty cool, and it's a game of itself. It's in its own right, and it's its own type of game. That game came out and took a lot of people purchasing and stuff. Pikachu and Eevee came out. Let's go. That took a lot of people purchasing. The fact that coming up, you got Smash coming out in December, early December. You got all these people who love Call of Duty Black Ops, Blackout. And then you have, you know, you have other stuff, all these other games. Like you have, well, you have Red Dead Redemption. That's going to be at the end of the uh, end of the month. It's going to have their online People are speaking with their wallets and they're saying, hey, you know what? If you're not going to give me what I want, what you advertise and what I'm going to per- what I want to actually play, I'm going to hold out and wait. And I'm telling everybody, yes, I want to get I almost purchased it today. It was in my hand. I was going to purchase a physical copy because they were offering already a discount on it, but I'm not. I'm going to wait because digital release will go down in price. Physical will be probably 50, 60 percent off. Wait now because because they they launched they did some poor they did poor on this you're gonna see some major sales for Black Friday and Cyber Monday and so digital sales things like that you're gonna see some big big steep discounts 
that if you were to go out and purchase it, yeah, you're going to have to wait. Some people will be ahead of you and leveling and stuff like that. But just wait. Just wait. You can get the game. You're going to get the game at like 30 or 40 bucks. And you'll or you'll be able to get the game with the expansion, you know, with whatever pass. Is there a pass with this one? I'm not sure because that, the like year, I said, I, year, do I didn't really know it was just coming out. I yeah. I like Battlefield One, and it, it was a fun game, and and I eventually we'll probably get Battlefield Five when they uh get the battle royale out. Plus, I'll, I'll wait a little bit because so many games have come out, like we discussed. But let's discuss it real quick. Spider Man came out. Then you have yeah. Red Dead Redemption that's come out. Then you have the games that you're already playing that are out that might be Fortnite or PUBG or your your mainstays. Then you have Fallout 76, and I know it has mixed reviews, but Fallout fans are playing Fallout. Red Dead is one of the most hyped games and one of the biggest games of all time. Ever. So people that are just casual gamers have picked up Red Dead, and they probably won't pick up a second game because they're so immersed in this world, and it'll take them a while to play it. Casual gamers don't pick up five, six, seven games, you know? Well, we do, you know? And Black Ops is out right now, too, which is already higher reviewed. But um, we're not saying Battlefield Five is getting terrible reviews. It's getting average reviews. It's getting, you know... IGN for a fact is 7.5, which is not bad for, you know, a multiplayer shooting game. It's getting three out of five from Eurogamer and 79% from PC Gamer. Those are those are three high websites that give it. So it's not a bad game. It's just bad sells at a bad time. And I know they want that Christmas push. So they'll, they'll get some more sales from Battlefield fans. Um, the second thing is, is that it's an EA game. EA has kind of kicked dirt on their name, and even people today I was talking to are making fun of the fact that it's an EA game. And people were like, oh, PUBG, EA should buy PUBG. And I said, I made a joke. I go, no, they'll charge us to even jump out of the plane. Um, <laughs> but, That's a good idea to make some money. Yeah, so it might be a case of EA kicking some dirt in their name in the last year. Um, I think it a very lot, could. Yeah, it could be, but I think it's just bad timing. And it's it doesn't mean it's a bad game, though. Yeah, I mean, because I want to play it. I do too. I, too. I I definitely want to play it. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we've we've heavily discussed. This is the thing when we're streaming, and if you watch this when we're when we're streaming on Mixer, you can hear us that you can hear us discussing as a group. But this is what's interesting is once you start playing as a group and you start playing as a team and you're a regular team, you start realizing that it's not just you speaking with your wallet, but you're speaking as a group. You're like, okay, what is our next? game we're going to put into our rotation that we're going to stream together absolutely and you don't want to buy something that your community doesn't want to buy because then what's the point yeah and so this is a game that is in our list but we are all speaking with our wallets and sitting back and waiting okay let's make sure their servers are good let's make sure you have what we want and then when the sales are, are, are up then yeah you'll see us starting to play that together yep uh but yeah, that was something that was here. I was in GameStop and I was talking to they had their they had their EA rep in their the local GameStop and I was talking to him and they they were talking to what kind of what you said that it's just uh, it's it's been an interesting change within them and that they're just working towards bettering themselves with gamers. The same thing would happen with Rockstar too. They got some name, you know. They got some backlash for the 100 hours a week thing and mm -hmm. all that. So jumping out of the game chat, we're going to jump into trailer talk. And for trailer talk, we really just have one trailer that kind of hit us by storm. And this is something that if you would have listened to... One of the things is if you listened to us in the past, you'd know that we talked about this when it was rumored of a Detective Pikachu movie. 
did Pikachu, uh, de- yeah, Detective Pikachu film, <laughs> yeah, starring Ryan Reynolds. And when we heard this, this was came out. The rumor came out when they were doing all their advertising runs and stuff like that for Deadpool two. When we heard about this, we're all like, "That's a joke. This is a joke. This is a joke." <laughs> then we get this release of this preview, and it's. Pikachu, it's Pokemon in a real life saying with, uh, this is uh, with Justice Smith, the actor, and it, man, this looks good. This looks good. I'm not, I'm not, I can't even know what to say other than the fact that I'm hyped. Uh, I'm a huge Pokemon fan. As long as you don't give me a live action brother, my brother moment, I'm good. I don't want to cry in the theater again. Don't make a grown man cry, please. Nope, no Pikachu crying over clone Pikachu over dead ash. No, don't do this. Don't do that to me. Don't, don't you be killing Justice Smith. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that to us. You know, you don't do that, but give us more of this. Because Justice Smith is like, he is, he's like the Dr. Doolittle of the Pokemon world. Something happened to this young lad, and he can understand Pokemon. Well, he cannot, I don't know if he can, we don't, this is the thing. We don't know if he can speak Pokemon yet. No, I, I'm, he I'm, could just hear he, them. He can hear, well, he They're can hear. They're speaking English, though. So, he understands well we don't know if he understands all pokemon right now he we understand that he understands pikachu but then when other people hear him they hear the cute little pika pika pikachu but what he hears is ryan reynolds aka deadpool and it sounds like it is deadpool it sounds like deadpool as pikachu it sounds like the humor is deadpool which is great this is going to be f- this, the this voice just- the voice still has some of the characteristics or characteristics uh, and the mar- char- uh, yes. mannerisms uh, a Pikachu is doing kind of like a Deadpool, and the first meme that came out was Pikachu in a Deadpool costume. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, give me a Deadpool Pikachu Detective Agency movie. That's fantastic. God, and I know this. I know Pikachu's that- all burned and looks like a ball sack. <laughs> yeah, and I know I know people are making the comparisons, but the comparison really is because Deadpool wears a mask, and you just hear Ryan Reynolds' voice, and you see Pikachu, and you hear his voice. So yeah. uh, there is a lot of comparisons there. But somebody I did want to talk about is Justice Smith. Now, Netflix came out with this show a couple years ago called The Get Down. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I really loved it. That's when I first was introduced to Justice Smith. I know he's been in other things, but I just didn't really, I wasn't up on him. And then they had the second season of The Get Down, which wasn't as good. But the first season was so good. I love Cajun was huge into The Get Down and talked about Justice Smith. Yeah, yeah, Justice Smith is so good in this show. Um, He's also one of the characters in The Last Jurassic Park. Yeah, uh, yep. I really like Justice Smith. I th- he's a real good up and coming actor. He's gonna get, he's gonna blow up from this. He's gonna get so much hype from this. Obviously, if this movie does well, which is gonna do well, it's Pokemon in a real world. It's gonna do well. He's gonna get a lot more work. So everybody, look out for Justice Smith. I, I really enjoy this kid. I feel like this is going to be the the jump. That, see, Nintendo said they're going into movies, and they're gonna go into movies in a big way. And how like when you hear that you hear okay here's okay video game movies mm. now i liked i'm one of those few people that despite the the crazy couple who who created uh the super mario brothers movie and i remember the the nintendo power article reading about it and the the, puppet, the puppeteering that went into the goombas which the goombas are not my goombas are mushrooms not dinosaurs um but the fact that went into all this stuff the puppeteering and stuff well, that was really crazy but i liked I liked the film. I enjoyed Bob Hoskins and you know as as Mario Mario and the and the fact that they give him a reason he's Mario Mario and it's I mean I like that but I get it I get that it wasn't 
great movie. It's no. just for whatever reason, it, it it stuck with me. I was my mom. This was something my mom took my brother, sister, and I too. She took us all three to it in theaters. I remember being excited about it. It was something that There's she some did nostalgia for us. then there for it you. It was a nostalgia, yeah. yeah. And that's one of the reasons I liked it. Uh, and I had the action figures, but um, the uh, so aside from that, and in fact, I might still have the Goomba, but uh, the uh, the fact that Nintendo's going into movies like this, and Nintendo's like basically for me, as long as the movie is as good as the first preview, which we've had issues with, if it's as good as the first preview, this is going to be Nintendo saying, "Hey guys, guess what? We're giving you the knockout drag up punch. We're taking this by storm. We're going to show you what a good video game." movie is but this isn't no need for speed guys <laughs> but um, there's so Joke. many things to base pokemon off of there's so much yes. information yes. out there there's so much lore there's the comic there's comic books there's video games yep. there's cartoons there's so much stuff going on i i love this direction and you can see the deadpool the deadpool humor in this from ryan reynolds just from the start it, it's which is a good thing because if you follow so there's the anime that everybody knows and then there was the anime that they came out that was uh japanese speaking only then they finally dubbed in and that one followed the base game the original game before it came to america when it came to america they changed it up and made it all cootsie uh the original game was very dark and it was very it was Pokemon when you fought them it was very violent and I feel like this movie based on the story and based on what we know and what we see I feel like they're taking a comedy spin on that but they're going to deal with that kind of stuff because you see how mean Charizard looks the Charizard looks awesome I hate you Jacob for that being your your uh your Pokemon of choice and you getting to see that when really I get to see my Bulbasaur walking around and my Bulbasaur looks just super cute he looks very cute and i think there was an extended part where they're falling down a waterfall <laughs> but there is that scene in the trailer where pikachu and uh uh what, what's the character's name in the movie uh shit. the mime there's the mine hang on sorry i just had it pulled up and i i really i forget the kid's name now justice smith yeah but what's this character's name um oh tim goodman sorry yeah but there is that scene where pikachu and tim uh justice smith are you know they're they're interrogating the mine which it looks like it's gonna be if you can see pikachu's getting all mean and 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 tim's like yeah 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 shaking his head like let's get the information and then he jumps into the mime's wall and he's like he's like oh that didn't go the way i wanted to go but uh so there's the funny in it but didn't the trailer to you look dark and gritty yes yes so i kind of with you on that the fact that it might be more of the direction that you're talking about the the dark direction um but they're gonna have to keep it light as because of all the kids yeah it's gonna be as light as hell and obviously you know pixar does the best thing in their in their animation movies where they throw in lines and they throw in scenes for adults and yes. you know your kids don't really get in. Their kids just kind of look and, and go on to the next funny thing. But for us, that's the funniest part of the movie because we're an adult and we understand it. So yes. you know that this movie is going to do the same thing. Hopefully it does the same thing. It, um, there's enough. It's Ryan Reynolds. Of course it's going to do the same thing. No, you're, that's that's true. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So that on that part of it, I'm going to – obviously I'm going to see this movie. It looks fantastic. But uh, yeah. uh, on the dark, gritty stuff, I hope so. I hope it's some of there, you know. 
this is what else I'm I'm hoping on is because they didn't show that he can hear other characters, but I'm hoping that he is the Doctor Doolittle Pokemon and that he can understand all Pokemon, because that would be awesome to be able to have him to be able to speak. To, you know, have other Pokemon, have other voices, get to hear them played by other really talented voice actors would be great. Um, I for some whatever reason I want to hear Danny DeVito as one of the Pokemon. <laughs> I want, but I want him to be like a Clarify or something, like, something all cute. I want it to be something really cute, and then have this like I want it to be like you know when you hear Baby from Roger Rabbit, and you hear this like you know cute little baby, and you hear the you know yeah hey Roger yeah, yeah. you know I want it to be something like that. I want I want the I want the cute Pokemon to have like this deep like I want Schwarzenegger to play like a Jigglypuff. <laughs> Oh, you know? I was just going to say Morgan Freeman as a Jigglypuff. Oh, God, that would work, too. <laughs> we were know? thinking the same thing. <laughs> or, or Morgan Freeman. No, Morgan Freeman needs to be like a Meowth. That would be fine, too, yeah. Yeah, you know. In this trailer, though, they do mention that Tim's father was a Pokemon trainer. So, obviously, yes. he has some skills or some traits handed down to him from his father. So, something is going to play into it like that. Um, there was a... Oh, no, that was another movie I was looking at. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I was gonna say Ron Perlman, but that's in Fantastic Beast as a car- cartoon yeah. character that I ended up watching last night. And Silver's not here, and I was watching it yeah. for her. But yeah, you know, it was really, really just—it's cute just and funny of, at the same time. You know, yeah, I mean? a lot of nostalgia. We, you, yeah. when you know, we used to do a thing where we would talk, we would say, "Is this a family thing?" When we see it, we obviously would let you guys know what we our take is on it, what level of age we would recommend is good for, um, and then. Uh, of course, yeah, we'll get back to you on that. And we'll continue to talk about his new trailers and stuff come out for it. Absolutely. Segwaying away from that, trailer's not out for it yet, but Disney is kind of setting themselves up to make probably another boatload of money on a movie that's been out for quite a while. Uh, talking about Deadpool 2, going back to the theaters as PG-13, kind of a quasi-sequel to The Princess Bride. Called Once Upon a Deadpool. Once Upon a Deadpool. How great is it Fred Savage laying in the bed as a full-grown man in the Bears jersey? And with the old, with the same bag of Cheetos yeah. behind his head. It's an exact replica of his bedroom when he was in there sick and Peter Falk playing, playing the grandfather was reading him the story of the Princess Bride. Uh, first of all, Princess Bride is one of my all-time favorites. Me and same my wife, here. Just, same here. we just rewatched it again. Um, I've probably watched it with her four or five times. I love this movie, but it's great watching Deadpool play the beautiful part and he's reading the Fred Savage. It's one of the funniest scenes. And we've talked about this before with Deadpool and Ryan Reynolds with playing as Bob Ross, um, making the little, little cute little bushes and paint the pretty little trees and how Bob Ross would explain his, his paintings as he did it on the PBS, I believe. Yes. Uh, this is fantastic. Another knock out of the park i think we've talked about this several times with yeah. deadpool and their marketing team how great they are i don't know how much ryan riddles is behind this i hope he's behind it 100 percent in the marketing team i hope he's in charge of it but those guys are fantastic everybody should hire that marketing team well because this is their answer to disney and it's like it's still him basically going okay disney i give it to you all giving them the finger yeah. but at the same time doing something that's going to make them a crap ton of money and you know it makes me want to go to the theater to see it again. And I know it's going to be cut out of a lot of stuff, but it's like I want to see it in theater to see the the hard R segments that are going to be, oh, oh, oh I got I to gotta skip. You know, I want to see the comedy of him trying to get past those scenes. How great is it if he discovered Juggernaut and was about to fight Juggernaut and he, like, 
did like a timeout pause, like Zach from Time, uh, you know, Saved by the Bell, and said, "Sorry, Disney won't let us show this part right now." And it went to the like Wayne's World, and it just fast forward. And you're like, "Oh man, what happened there?" And he stopped and he goes, "Sorry, Disney won't let us show that." Back to the back to the show or something like that. If they filmed something like that to add into the movie, I would go see it, man. Well, he's, we know it's gonna. What they say is that the hard R scenes are going to be cutaways to him telling the story to Fred Savage. So we're gonna get stuff like that where we're gonna see him ab living and explaining the story through drawn pictures or things like that. So, and in fact, the one of the pictures that was tweeted, uh, kind of to what you just talked about with Juggernaut, like uh, maybe him getting ripped in two, was a picture of the Juggernaut drawn in crayon and him. Being ripped in two, <laughs> so, so that's the thing. That's I mean, what reading the Fred Savage is a thousand times better idea than mine. So basically, what you just said is actually what it looks like. <laughs> See, I didn't know kid. because you said the trailer must have been pulled, and I haven't seen the trailer yet. I didn't but catch the, it. But what it was is this is a picture on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. so it was a picture of what that video was that was circulating circulating around. But yeah, so I mean, this is a way that Disney's going to go and make a lot more money off of something that they. I mean, how great is this? Disney purchases Fox, and then turns around and lets you know, and like let's re-release it as a PG thirteen. They re, re they re, you know they film a few scenes, add it to it, edit it, and all of a sudden they're gonna make a boatload of money off of something that they already that was already used. I mean that's that's, that's what that's the really ridiculous because the factor that you and I are talking about going and seeing it in theater, the factor that we're talking about means that a lot of people are talking about means it's gonna happen. Well, I mean, here's a fantastic point here. My eleven year old hasn't seen it because I didn't want my eleven year old to see Deadpool yet. Um, he hasn't seen the first one. He's just too young for for me to for him to show that movie. My fourteen year old went and saw it with me, um, and my fourteen year old, sixteen year old went and saw it with me. But my eleven year old, I maybe I'll take him to the PG thirteen one. Maybe that will be okay. And I'm not really sure. PG thirteen is seventeen. No, PG thirteen is thirteen year old. Is it thirteen? So yeah, R is seventeen. It's R seventeen. Okay, see, I don't even know the ratings. Uh, yeah, PG thirteen. I say parental it's seven. guidance suggested thirteen years old. <laughs> PG thirteen. I say it's seventeen. I'm such a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, but possibly I could take my eleven year old to go see Deadpool with him, and that would be yeah. cool. I, I would totally yeah, do would. that. Jumping out of this stuff, guys, we're gonna go into our show recaps, and we got we got a few things to talk about right now, and. First up, The Bodyguard. I've seen the first episode. I was supposed to get caught up on this, but the same things happen. I had to work. Yeah, Jamie, don't blame me. I'm not blaming you. I, no, I Jamie on Discord. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's the one but, that he's the one that brought the show to us and he said, Hey, you gotta check out the show. And he actually brought it to us um on is the it Discord. Jamie or Jamie? What's that? Is it Jamie or Jamie? Jamie. Jamie. Yeah. He brought it to us on the Discord. Actually, he DM'd it to me uh Oh, before we even started to get in the Discord really going, he DM'd to me and told me to watch this show. And it actually hadn't hit Netflix yet. So it was just good timing that BBC finally released it on the, in America on Netflix. Because it's been in BBC going on for a while now. And I know it was only six episodes long, but the last episode, episode six, had 10.4 million viewers. That's awesome. To, to find That's out so awesome. to find out the ending of the story, which I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, spoil on this because a lot of people need to go watch it, so I do not want to spoil it. It's one of the biggest BBC dramas ever. Um, there's Downtown Abbey was one of them, uh, which was another one, but this has been the biggest BBC drama in like decades. That's great. Um, so with the bodyguard and everything, what what's like 
you're going to give your review of it or yeah i'll just give a little rundown of why people okay. should go watch it and first i know why i should watch it because i've seen the first episode so it's yeah like I'm the, already the first thing i already got the hooks in me the first thing i'll say it's a 10 out of 10 for me uh this is probably my favorite series of 2018 it's one of the best written series i've ever seen and it's one of the most dramatic series where i'm on my edge you've seen the first episode there is i am going to talk about the first episode so i am going to spoil a little bit of the first episode there is a suicide bomber on the train that David Budd, who is played by Richard Madden. If you don't know Richard Madden, he's Rob Stark from Game of Thrones. And Which is great. He's also from The Medicai on Netflix. Yeah. that's uh, yeah. He's, he's got a couple other Netflix originals. He's actually he's done a lot better than some of the other people that have been killed off, killed off in Game of Thrones. They, you know, He's done a lot of stuff. People haven't seen him, but he is doing stuff. Um, he's doing really good quality stuff. And one of them is the, is the Bodyguard. Now, the bodyguard, it, it's, it starts off with David Budd, who is a protection officer, a police officer, but in, in Britain, they could say a protection officer. He is married with two kids, but they are separated. He has an alcohol problem, but that really only shows up in a few scenes when he's kind of dealing with his wife about seeing the kids or not seeing the kids or getting back together. Uh, he's also a war veteran who really is willing to put his life on the line at any time. And the show really explores this over and over again over the six episodes. They put him in the most compromising situations that you can't even wrap your mind around how he survives or gets through it mentally. He suffers from PTSD that really is untreated because of his time in Afghanistan. Now, PTSD is a nervous system response to an overwhelming event that is not able to process or integrate. This, um, The reason I'm reading this to you because this really has a heavy play throughout the series. He gets into conflict or he gets into high stressful situations and his PTSD really does kick in at almost the worst possible times for him. And so that kind of suffers and plays a role throughout the six episodes. And it plays a major role when people are trying to figure out really where he's coming from or what the truth is in this series. And it's hard for him to explain or he puts himself in weird compromising positions because of this. And, you, you know, when you get high anxiety and PTSD, it's it, it's it's tough to explain, you know, certain situations or or get out of certain situations. Now, while it doesn't have to involve war or even violence, the more severe situation of PTSD, the more the more likely one is to experience trauma. And so he does experience trauma throughout the six episodes. And each time a trauma happens, the PTSD really does kick in. And it's kind of, it's kind of nice to show this from a war veteran side. And, you know, cause we do have a lot of veterans that are coming back from the war all over the world who are coming back with PTSD. And it's something that really wasn't treated a long time before, but it's being treated better now. But you have strong men and women coming back with, you know, they they can take on anything, and sometimes it's not it's untreated. And this is the situation with David Budd. Now, more on PTSD. There may be more. There may be memories of what happened, but the brain isn't able to fully recognize them as such and move on from them. We don't have a sense of coherence around it the way you do in other life experiences. So. The only reason I'm bringing so much of this because it really plays a big role with David Budd and Richard Madden does such a great job of this character and how complex this character is and just six episodes. Now, six episodes are each. I think the first one is like 101 minutes, but each episode ranges around around 55 minutes long. 
But in each episode, while watching with my wife, I really felt like they jam-packed so much information and so much different character and different character arcs in each episode that you really couldn't just, you couldn't walk away. It was so intriguing to sit there and watch each thing that was going on in each episode too. There was something major happening and you had to stay and, and figure it out. Like what, what, what was that? What, what's going on? Something dramatic event happened. So in episode one, this is the only one I'm going to spoil guys. Bud is coming back on the train from his, his parents' house. Who's taking his kids, his two kids to go see his parents. And he finds himself in between a suicide bomber and a train full of people, including his two kids. And the way he handles himself with that suicide bomber, and if you've seen this, Damien, you see this, it's a it's a really intense moment. Like I'm sitting on the edge of my couch, intense moment. And the way he handles himself in the first episode really establishes David Budd as the man of action who wants the problems to be in his hands. He wants to take them on. And every time he's asked to back down or don't worry about this issue or, or hey, don't, hey, stay away from this, whatever the magnitude of the issue is or the problem is, he really jumps and put his nose face first into it, two feet in throughout the whole six episodes. So he's integrated throughout the series, even when something might not really have to do with him, he's going to put his hand on it, maybe even if he shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's I and mean, that's the thing is, it's and what's great about it is by the way that you're explaining that, this is something that often happens with people you know who come back you know PTSD or you know the servicemen, is that you get people who they can't turn it off. You can't turn off your Correct. your your thought your your I'm trying to remember what they call it. You can't turn off your sense of duty, and so you're constantly you're constantly chasing that duty and you're ch- you're, you're chasing the need, the necessity to be, be in control and to protect, serve and protect. And that's what I, this whole thing felt like. And because of having friends that, you know, have suffered through PTSD or having things that I've, you know, even experienced minor in my own work and other things I've gone through uh, doing private security and things, it's something that I, the character is, it's very easily for people on so many different levels to relate to. Yep. Um, I'm trying, I was trying to think of the word to use because someone who's just watching it, who does no experience, you know, never was a veteran, never had any experience of any traumatic events. You know, they're just, their life is uh, pixie tales and, uh, you know, rainbows and all that stuff can watch it and be entertained. Someone who suffers from PTSD can watch it and feel like this is a show that explains very well what they have to deal with. They may find parts of the character that they connect with and that they're able to feel like this is, I, I get this, I this is how I would react in this situation. And instead of it feeling like it's just an actor being given a script and going at it, it feels more like the actor experience these things it doesn't feel like he's acting it feels realistic because there's people out here who we understand what this is to feel like what this these moments on a day-to-day basis feel like and it was it's really telling of not only the not only the actor's ability but of the directors of this of these episodes the the showrunners the writers it is indicative of what quality is that went into this because you have to know 
when you're dealing with situations like this, you have to know what you're writing for and the audience you're going for. And you have to understand that there's going to be people that have experienced these things. And when you get it so right, you can't, I mean, it's, that's why this is the reason why you got downtown Abbey, which I'm actually funny, funny enough. I'm going to be bringing up in a little bit. <laughs> uh, you got stuff like that, but then you get this. And the reason why this is so sought after is because of the writing. There's so many times we talk about the writing. Yeah, writing is extremely important. Now, these showrunners have also did a show before this. It was called Line of Sight, I believe. It was called Line of Sight. And that's an, something else they were a part of. And a lot of the actors that are actually in Bodyguard come from this series. And another actress I'm going to bring up right now is uh, 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 she, she plays Julia Monahan. Now she was in Line of Sight. She's she's a well known actress and uh and Europe and for BBC stuff. And Julia Monaghan is played by uh Julia Monaghan is played by Keely Haas, who's a well known actress over in Britain. And because of the episode one and the way Bud is shown how he can handle himself in situations, and and the way he handles the suicide bomb around the train. I won't spoil it past that. He is promoted. He is promoted past that to be the uh, head of security for the home se- for home security, which is basically Homeland Security. Who is is the Homeland Security is Julian Monahan. And now Bud is constantly motivated by danger, not least of all because of his job of home security. Monahan is a warmonger who refuses to apologize for misused military interventions in the Middle East. And she wants to create a, a surveillance state with the RIPA legislation, which conflicts with everything Bud feels is right. Only those intent on acts of violence have anything to fear, Monty, who says in one of the, one of the TV interviews. And now when Bud is promoted the head of the security for Julianne Monaghan, he doesn't really know what he's getting into. But Julianne Monaghan actually is, is all her views are against what his views are since he is a war veteran. She is kind of a war hungry person and wanted to take on more things and other government agencies that were actually trying to stop her from being able to control these type of things. Now, the way this show plays out for six episodes, there is truck bombs, there are suicide bombers, there's lone gunmen. And throughout the series, you don't know if David Budd's actually the target because it keeps happening around him. And because it keeps happening around him, the protection police, the detectives, they believe that it evolves around him and he's part of it. He, they believe he's giving out some of the information possibly because of all these threats and all these major events are happening and Bud is always there. Now that just happens to be, that could just happen to be because he unluckiness or just happy the fact that he's actually head of protection of Julie Monahan. But between the protection office, homeland office, and all other government, there is a huge spider web of just betrayal. And in the long run, homeland where every agency is grabbing for control and they want to run things their way. And kind of a lot of them want to get Julie unseated from this. And also throughout the series, the mafia over there is brought up into it too. So there is entangled webs, and like I said, it's only six episodes. There's an entangled web that you really have to fight your way through. And by the end of the sixth episode, you are kind of like sweating. You're you're bathing yourself. You're getting water and washing your face because it's so intense. Uh, we we actually watched, I think we watched two episodes at the beginning. 
and then we can only watch like one episode a day. And honestly, I say that without kidding. It is super intense. And you're like, I just need a break from it. I need to decompress from this. And each day I would go online and read about that episode because it's all heavily written out there. And I'd be like, man, it's just it's just crazy intense, each one. And it's too it's too real sometimes, especially episode one, because these things are happening out there in the world. And over in Europe, highly happening because of the easy, conf, you know, between the Middle East and them, there's no ocean. <laughs> there's no flight plan. There's, you know, so it's happening a lot more over there. You almost feel bad about what you're seeing because you know it's way too real. And that's where you actually have to, like, kind of decompress from the from the show. We've had shows in the past that have been talked about like that. Um uh, some some of those shows, you know, being like Thirteen Reasons Why, and yes. other things where people talk yes. about where you have to take in in small increments because those films were the ones where or those series are the ones where you have to watch and you have to feel like I'm I'm ready to be bummed out. This isn't that I'm ready to be bummed out. This is this is it's when you know. So I, I'm quickly brought to think about the old advertisements for when you're you would get go to a monster truck rally and be like. We'll sell you the whole seat, but you only need the edge. It, you know, this series feels like that because I catch myself, and I know I do this when I'm get when I'm intrigued into it. I've noticed I'm leaning forward. Like the first episode, I'm watching. I was laying in bed, and I'm sitting there, and I've noticed I wound up sitting on the edge of my bed, and I'm leaning forward. Yes, and I'm and before I knew it, I was sat like that for most the film or, or most of, most of the episode. I couldn't. I couldn't lay down because I wasn't comfortable enough to lay down because I felt like if I lay down, I'm going to miss something or uh, I get comfortable or it just, you I start just, falling asleep. You might miss yeah, part of the episode. Yeah. And I, and I, and I didn't want to. Yeah. It's, it's highly intense. Um, again, thank you, Jamie, for pointing this out. And it just happened to be hit Netflix at the right time. So anybody out there with Netflix, Nick is recommending the show to everyone. Now, if you don't like, these situations that I've mentioned with the different bombs and alone shooters, if you don't like this, it can be very gory at times. So stay away from it then. But for anybody that wants an intense drama that is completely real world, uh, dive right in, man. Uh, dive right in. And next up, from the bodyguard to we, you know, you mentioned Downtown Abbey. I had to mention something about this. I watched a movie. This movie came out in 2015. I wanted to see it in 2015. I never wa- I never got a chance to. This is a UK-based film that it's a it's a werewolf movie. And and one of my favorite film, one of my favorite werewolf films, actually is Dog Soldiers. And uh, you know, I'm I'm sure any of any of our friends that are over in the UK would be with me on that. Dog Soldiers is freaking amazing. It's an amazing, amazing, I mean, just uh, practical effects. Practical effects done right. I love Dog Soldiers. So this movie, Howl, came out. And do- we never got Dog Soldiers 2. Uh, Dog Soldiers 2 kind of went into development hell. They put out and they created a TV series. It got like two episodes and they canceled it. So we never got the Dog Soldiers sequel we wanted. Hmm. Then they came out with Howl. And Howl never got a sequel. But what Howl does do is it gives you like a realistic if you will, a realistic werewolf, but it says it's a disease, like a kind of like rabies, but it's, it's a zo- oh, zombie wolf. It's not a, no, not zombie. <laughs> Cause they're very, they're very, no, cause I'm they're very joking. still family driven. Yeah. But it's, um, one of the most grotesque transformations and, Ooh. and visual, just visual 
freakiness. The thing is, they, they do these things with the eyes in it, where the eyes glow white, but you still see the eyes. And then the way that the films, the way they film it, it makes you so uneasy. But what this takes place is, how it takes place on a train. A train or, or hits a deer and went to the stop. Now, one of the things is, is this movie stars uh, Downtown Abbey, Downtown, uh, Downtown Abbey star Ed Spielers, uh, or Spillers. Uh, so he's he was known for Downtown Abbey 2010, Alice Through the Looking Glass 2016, Wolf Hall 2015. Mind you, what I knew him from originally, he's also an Outlander uh, currently, but. I mean, I've known him. I mean, he's a voice. He does voice game acting. Battlefield One. He was Daniel Edwards, but I knew him as the main actor, main star of Aragon, the dragon film. Yeah, that was based on the books and everything. Yeah, I know you're talking about. I don't know if I've yeah. ever watched Aragon. <laughs> the books are great. The books are great. I don't think the movie was great though, right? No. Okay. No, not that's at why all. I didn't watch it. But uh, Ed Spillers is a wonderful actor. Like he's really, really good. Like I, I really like him. And so I watched. I went ahead and I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I, I'm, I'm gonna watch this. And I, and I watch. I rent. I, I it's, uh, it's actually on a on our uh, service we use Plex. It's on Plex now. Yeah. Okay. I rent so, but you can also rent this anywhere. It's. I wish I would have seen it way, way sooner. But it's one of my. It is now. Ranks right up there with Dog Soldiers for me. Now in Dog Soldiers, one of my favorite characters in Dog Soldiers is uh, is Sergeant Harry G. Wells, played by Sean Pertwee. If you if you're curious of who he is, he plays Alfred in Gotham. Ooh, and uh, he's so now, good in Gotham too. As Alfred, he's, Sean Pertwee is awesome in anything he touches. He's been acting for a long time. He's been in a ton of different things. There's thing roles with him that you wouldn't even realize he was in it. Unfortunately, because of Dog Soldiers, he's became kind of a horror icon or just an icon with those type of sci-fi and other type of things. So much so that he had a role. And his role in Hal was Driver. He had a couple lines that he said, but he was in it mainly because, oh, he was one of the main characters from Dog Soldier. Let's put him in another werewolf people. People mm. who are fans of werewolf movies are going to see this and be like, okay. A little Easter egg. It was a little, that's what, exactly what it is. All he was was an Easter egg. It was great to see him. Good to see him in it. But how is 2015 just, but so well done. It's it's very claustrophobic because it takes place on a train that's been derailed. Then it goes into the forest and then back onto the train. And just the whole thing, it feels like a mix, like a combination, that, that right combination and pacing of an alien film where the things are hunting you and you're getting picked off one by one. And then all of a sudden you, they get there, but they give the audience something gets killed. And you also now the audience feels like, Oh, they're going to survive. They have a chance. And then it throws you for a loop. Like it's got, it has the ability to throw you for a loop at the end. Then you're just kind of like, Oh, well I didn't see that coming. And maybe that's, you know, but at the same time, it's not one of those, it's not one of those films where you watch. And then at the end, it's just hopeless. There is some hope in it. I'll give you that. But it was just a really, it's just a really fun film. And I wish I would have seen it sooner. So if you're a werewolf fan, I recommend you guys go out, check out Howl. It is, if you're, especially if you're a fan of 
of really well done creature effects. It's it's really good. Um, believable creature effects, which is something that's kind of hard hard to get get used. It, I mean, don't believe if you look at the ratings like an IMDb, they give a five point three out of ten. Um, it's uh, but it's good. Like I, I would rate it up there as for a werewolf movie. I would rate it up there at least at an eight. For if you're going into a werewolf movie and you wind to see a werewolf movie, you wind to see a well done werewolf movie. I'd give it an eight. Being Dog Soldiers for me is a ten out of ten. Awesome. Now, what do you do when you get done with this section? How about you have that geek in your life? Maybe not a geek. Maybe just someone that likes tech. Maybe someone that just likes some, you know, comic books. Maybe something like that. Just we don't we don't have to give it don't have to give it a label. But I'm just saying Christmas gifts for all your geeks out there. We're gonna start. Maybe each episode leading up to Christmas, we're gonna toss some some ideas your way. Absolutely. And so for this one, and this is our main event, we we each uh, we each picked out three items we're gonna talk about, and we will do the same for the next episodes coming up. So even even with our next week's episode being a Fallout 76 episode, we will tie it in. We will end it with some uh, suggestions for gifts. Maybe they're Fallout themed. Maybe they're not. Absolutely, they will be. <laughs> <laughs> so for this event, what well, why don't we start off? We each read one and then we bounce off. Yeah, we bounce let's back do and it. Forth. So we're going to start it off. Nick. What's your first recommendation for gifts for your geek? First recommendation is I looked up Black Friday deals. And I wanted to give you guys Black Friday deals because Black Friday is coming up. So if you're going to go out shopping, maybe take a look at these. Now, the first one I'm going to mention might be a hard item to grab a hold of for this Christmas. But I don't know if it's as hyped as it was last year. And that is at Best Buy. It's the Nintendo Switch Super Mario Kart Deluxe Bundle. And that is for $2.99. Now, that is an expensive price point for a gift for a kid or something like that. But as a family present, I don't think so. I think it's a pretty good price point for a family present that everybody can play. And when I mean everybody, I mean everybody. It has all the different type of classic indie games that an older person might enjoy playing, like the old uh, old uh, uh, turn dial games that you can find. Um, I, damn it, I'm dropping the indie game that I had in my head. Anyways, but has the uh, Super Mario Odyssey which is we all ranked as a 10 for a 10 for us. Um, it, it can be played on any age levels. It has Super Mario Kart, which is bundles a part of, which is a fantastic Mario Kart game. It is amazing. So much fun. Yeah, and so you can play this on the handheld, and you can even play this with the stand, and each kid can have a Joy-Con, and they're not taking up the TV, and they can put it on the coffee table, and they can be sitting in front of you, you know, playing the Mario Kart, which has happened in my household, why I'm sitting there watching, you know, maybe a basketball game, or a movie with my wife. So that's what's so great about the Nintendo Switch. Also, it can go onto the charging dock, and it can go up on the big TV, and the family can sit and watch and play at the same time. It also has uh, Zelda, so if any Zelda Zelda fans, you know, I'm in my I'm in my 30s. Breath of the Wild is one of the best Zeldas I've ever played. It was a 10 out of 10 for me last year. Um, It will continue to be a 10 out of 10 because the DLCs are fantastic. It gives you a lot of options as a family. Now, again, I know it's expensive for a one person gift, but for a family gift, I think it is right up there in a good price point. So with me, my first thing for your geek out there, speaking of which, is a product that's 
produced by ThinkGeek and located right now. You can't find it on the ThinkGeek store, but what you can do is they are in your local GameStops or your ThinkGeek local stores would have these as well. Yes. And so one of the things that, that I'm talking about happens to be you can get them in the different size shirts and stuff that you want. And they are the art to the original Super Nintendo cartridges. So right now they have Super Mario World, they have uh, Legend of Zelda, and they have, or no, Mega Man, I think it was Mega Man X, and they have Super Metroid. And it's the cover art, and it's on a black t-shirt, and you get the t-shirt. But what's cool about it is it comes encased in this jumbo cartridge that's about a foot by six inches, uh, six inches tall, 12 inches or so wide. And it's, it's great. Like, it's just, it's crazy. Like Very... it's, they're, they're, they're little hangout. They're like, it's, it's, it's got the little spots in the back so you can hang it up. Yep. And it's really cool. And I'm super excited because I, I want, I want them, but these, so if it's like, this is the thing is I wanted to put stuff up that are usable, that people up. If you have a geek that loves the Super Nintendo, loves the retro stuff, they get a cool t-shirt. Yep. And and a cool collectible. And a cool collectible that they can mount on their wall that is just retro as all hell, but perfect in every way. And the, for the cool price point of twenty four ninety nine, which is amazing. I I would totally want this, and I would totally hang it up on my wall in my office. Yeah, and so that's when I when I see this stuff. That's the first thing I think about. I think about uh, I think about gifts for your geek. I think about things that that would really strike with the with many age groups. Because I mean. You might even have a young a youngster that just played it in the, the if you got the Super Nintendo Classic which came out, you know the mini Super Nintendo Mini that could be something that someone played and all of a sudden they were introduced to Super Metroid and all of a sudden they're just like, I want this Super- and it's new to them. Yeah, Super Mario World is new. Yeah, you could buy the shirt Super Mario World too, which Mario is, you know, consistent for all platforms for all ages. Oh, yeah. Everybody loves oh, yeah. Mario. My three year old loves Mario. And he's never played a Mario game, but everybody knows Mario. Well, you know what I did do is I let him watch. Wreck-It Ralph Two is out, and Wreck-It is coming is out, and Wreck-It Ralph Two has lots of characters, including Mario. Oh, awesome! Yeah, but I let him watch the '90s cartoon Mario on Netflix, and he loves that. He watches that all the time, which is a very corny cartoon, but I still love it. I loved <laughs> what I loved with that is on Fridays they did the Legend of Zelda. I do um, like the Legend of Zelda cartoon too. I remember that. Yep. And but the best Legend of Zelda animation that was ever done was that I've seen has been because I know there is some stuff that's over in Japan that has not come over to us. Uh, my best Legend of Zelda experience that I had growing up was Captain N, which was you know for Captain Nintendo. Yeah. And when he teamed up with Link for an adventure, it was my favorite episode ever. Awesome. So back to you, Nick. What's up next on your on your uh, Christmas list of options? I went a little outside the box here, and because hoverboards have been around for a, a while now, the two wheeled hoverboards you see a lot of kids rolling around them in the I see mall. A lot of people hitting on their face too. <laughs> yes, the, there's a lot of YouTube videos of people uh, wrecking on these things. But coming to my hospital, I saw <laughs> you show up there, huh? Um, I did see this on a Black Friday sale for Walmart for ninety nine dollars. Now, the reason I mention this is because they were around $200, $300, $400, $500. For $99 for maybe your major gift for your kid for Christmas, 
I thought $9 was a good price point for a hoverboard that will get them actually outside the house and play with something cool techy and get them moving around. So I thought it was a cool option for a hoverboard. Um, I would possibly buy my 11-year-old something like this. Yeah, I could see something like that. I mean, I would get it if I was uh, within the weight limit of it. I did notice the weight limit is 160 pounds. So just to throw that out there, and my 11-year-old is 130 pounds. So Yeah. So Next up, what I got is a lot of people out there, you have your regular controllers. You have your Xbox. This is for the Xbox player. You have your Xbox controller, your standard controller, or you have your Elite controller. This is mostly focused towards the Elite because it actually gives you a bonus of extra extra sticks. One of the most comfortable controllers uh, uh, that I've had has been my Scuff Elite. But what I had done uh, before I got my Scuff Elite was I scuffed out my original Elite controller and I bought the grips. And these grips, they are cut. They the grips that they have, they mold into your fingers and they just they feel good like they feel basically like you got a good 45 grip like if you're talking about a gun um and then the sticks there's like this the type of gel that they are they're just this they feel really good now this is the only downside on this on this purchase on them is that those sticks they they do after a while if you get the brightly colored stuff i have black ones and then i have the brightly colored red ones uh, through use, the color will wear away, and this is the same material that PlayStation uses on their sticks. So the rubber is a softer rubber, and it does wear with age. So you could see find yourself having to replace the sticks, but yeah, they're easy to install. They're super easy to install on the side, and the, the sticks are of course a magnetic use. Pop them on, but the main part of this is the grips. The grip. I'm not saying it's going to change your game, but with the Elite controller, oftentimes the rubber rubberization on the grips already starts to peel off on the side. This is a good way to fix your Elite. Um, it's also a good way just to add comfort to it for some long gaming sessions. Nick, I, I know that you, this is something that you actually have. You have an Elite controller, and then uh, because a sent, secret Santa helper talked to your, to your missus, uh, you wound up with the also the addition of these scuff parts, and what do you think of them? Because this is something like I said, I recommend thirty bucks. It makes you feel like you have a brand new controller. Yeah, that's a really good deal. Yeah, I highly recommend it. It makes the controller a lot comfortable. It feels more comfortable. Plus the different joysticks. Some people have longer thumbs, so it's nice to get that higher thumbstick if you need it. I personally don't need it, but I could see where that would come into gaming a lot for somebody with bigger hands. So if you have bigger hands, the extra cushion and everything makes it so much more comfortable for you. It's also uh, the scuff. Uh, the, the scuff sticks are slightly different uh, heights and sizes than what come with your standard Elite. Yeah. And as well as that, that extra length on there is also good for if you're a major sniper. It gives you that extra control. Correct. So that yes, is it does. One, that is uh, without having to go out and purchase, say, a uh, uh, Control Freaks, which I also I do like. Nick, what's your, what, do you, what else do you got here? What's, what's your third on the list? All right, my third on my list is something that I actually own and it's something I actually use, but these are very good price points for your kids or, or anybody or, or somebody a little bit older that needs a tablet. Now, November 22nd, Amazon will have the Fire Tablet 7 for $29.99, and the Fire 8 HD tablet for not $49.99. That's a really good price point for the Fire H, a Fire Fire 8 HD tablet. I wish they could put a better name out there than a tongue twister. <laughs> but 
The reason I'm bringing this up is because I just purchased this tablet for a lot more money than what it is right now. Um, so uh, for about 30 more dollars, I purchased it. And I purchased it because I was going to be in the hospital for uh, four or five days. And I wanted something that I could like, watch movies on instead of using my phone. Now, the best thing about these Amazon tablets is that they only use the Amazon tab uh, uh, app store. So you can actually get the Google Play app store on there very easily. It's a very easily, uh, uh, there's like four or five instructions online to figure it out and put it on there. You don't have to, you don't have to jailbreak your tablet. You don't have to hack into it. It's nothing hooking it up to your computer. It's literally done just from your app store. It's very easy to do. I got it in there for about, it took me about a half hour to figure out my first time. And I got the Google play app store on there so I can get all the Google play stuff that I already own for my other Android devices. Now fire eight HD tablet for 49.99 is PC Mag's best tablet of 2018 for the price point and for what it can do. Now the Fire 7 is uh, PC Mag's fourth best tablet. Again, not because of the power, it's because of the price point and what it can do. It's a very simplistic tablet. It has a lot of Amazon features on there. So if you're a big Amazon person, it works so well. Um, and plus the fact of adding the Google Play Store on there and having the Android side of things on there. I think they're great price points for tablets. I don't think anybody should be out there spending three, $400 on an iPad. I just don't think it's necessary anymore with the day and age of the phones that we have now. That's that's what saves me. I still want the iPad, but I do I do have an Amazon Fire Tab that I use. It's an older one. Um, I inherited from one of the kids, and I use it I use it for for certain things uh, for watching stuff. But mostly use it for watching like you know Mixer or Twitch. Uh, you just and, have it on the side, and you can just yep. still do your thing, but you can still support your local streamer. Exactly. That's exactly what I use it for. Uh, and it's, it's really good. I, I enjoy it. Uh, I would actually be looking at one of these as a way to upgrade. That's yeah. something that, that I, I fire eight HD tablet dude is, a, I, I highly recommend it for that price point. It's, it's a beautiful tablet, man. Okay. I'll definitely uh, put it in my list of uh, things to ask Santa Claus for mommy, uh, mommy. <laughs> so next <laughs> next up for me this is something that actually so i'm getting ready ready to move i'm going to be moving into a uh in, into a, a new location where things can't really i have to downsize my my geek inventory uh because it's going to be i'm it's everything is going to be it's a uh, i'm moving into a loft and everything is open concept and so my little corner has to literally be my little corner but what happens when you're trying to stream and you're trying to grow a stream and you want a green screen? You can't just have these massive lights and stuff out there. So my next, uh, next, the next up after, so next week I will mention maybe something about a camera that can go along that has the lighting built in that allows you to utilize everything you need without having the massive big studio lights up. But right now what I'm talking about is a green screen from Elgato, which also, if you're, if you've been a fan of Corsair, Elgato is owned by Corsair, so uh, quality Elgato, quality product. It's a quality product, yeah. Elgato green screen. It's a collapsible chroma key panel for background removal with auto locking frame, recoil resistant chroma green fabric, aluminum aluminum hard case, ultra quick setup and breakdown. What's so great by this, and this is actually posted by Corsair. What's great about this is is that I can raise this up, and I can have my green screen, and when I'm not streaming. I can lower it down and I can, I mean, I can go put this under my bed and nobody would know that I even had it. You can put it on the side of a bookshelf, something like that. It's very compact, very clean. It's a very cool product. 
for anybody out there, since we talk about streaming a lot, a lot of streamers, or even for me for podcasting, if we stream this podcast, I could put it behind me and I could have whatever behind me. Um, Mario Brothers, you know? Yeah. For $155.89. Um, I didn't mean to steal that from you, the price point there. No, buddy. no problem, no problem. Uh, I think this is one of the best things that all of us have brought to this so far. When you showed it to me, I was like, oh, this is amazing. Um, it's on Amazon. Watch the little video of it. I was blown away when Jeremy showed me this. Or Damien. Yeah, I keep going back and forth what your actual good. name is. I'm, I'm both, I'm both. Uh, that's something that, I mean, It's this is like a key item for me. There's like basically two items. One, the, one of the first things that last year I wanted this and it's been something I've been eyeballing, and the price has gone down quite a bit, actually, on about about uh, $35. And uh, it's, uh, like, one thing was I wanted the stream deck, because that's going to be helping up life a lot here for this. Yes. Lot of stuff. Uh, if you wonder why we haven't gone live, it's because I've been working with streamers, and I'm being coached. Uh, we talk a lot about mentorship and everything. I'm being coached on how what it'd go, and I'm actually going back to what I'm used to, and I'm going back to OBS. So, Things will probably be popping here pretty quick. I just gotta, I gotta reintroduce myself to the old school stuff and actually teach myself to reuse it and not just rely on software to do everything for me, which in the end was causing a lot of latency issues and stuff like that. Because that was one of the main reasons why we were we were having slowdown anytime there was more than one image up. And I have the computer, I have the PC power and the internet power to be able to get the stuff out. Just it's the other stuff in between that I'm working on, <laughs> but. The price point, $155. I hope you enjoyed this stuff. That's three items from each of us. And what we will be doing, hopefully, is next week. Well, next week we'll have, uh, there'll be definitely four of us on. Yes. So we're going we'll, to, we'll, we're going to give you a little something. It might just be one item picked out from each of us, or maybe we'll do two since there could be, I think that we're going to have four of us on the show. And uh, we'll pick out, yeah, we'll pick out two items, two Fallout items each. And uh, we'll recommend those for your Fallout fans for the local holiday season. But for this week, we ran a little bit long. And uh, we'll just uh, we'll catch you next week, guys. And it's Turkey Week, so make sure you enjoy your families. Have a good Thanksgiving, everybody. Maybe listen to us on your drive to your families. Perfect, perfect idea. Right before uh, Black Friday, you can get these ideas. And with that, guys. Oh, Black Friday. That's right. If you join our Discord, be looking for when the Black Friday ads launch. We're going to be on Discord a lot that day. We're going to be, usually Thanksgiving, we map out a few Black Friday deals and stuff like that. So uh, the day before Thanksgiving, that's going to be Wednesday of coming up, uh, should be the uh, either the day before or after the, the, after the episode launches, the day of the episode launches, you will get an opportunity to join us on our Discord, talk about sales talk about sales in your area and let's strategize together absolutely it's a perfect idea with that we're out